Welcome, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Sitecor Water Cooler, the casual conversation podcast dedicated to covering all things related to Sitecor, including product updates, implementation insights, how to get the most out of your Sitecor investment, and more. I'm your guest host today, Maggie Burke, Sitecor Program Manager and Sitecor MVP at AmericanEagle.com. We've been on the topic recently of website redesigns because we know that many organizations will come across the concept of this at varying times over the years. And, you know, there's many decisions that an organization is going to be faced with during this journey, though, stemming from things like designs and the look and feel all the way to what the tech stack's going to be that's going to be needed to really just ultimately accomplish their goals and KPIs. So as Sitecore now moves into this composable ecosystem, many clients, especially ones that have been on their CMS for years, really have that decision to stay on their current infrastructure or ultimately move to their new SaaS offering, XM Cloud. Recently, we launched a large XM Cloud implementation for a longtime healthcare client of ours that has been on Sitecore for years. Today, we'll be discussing what it takes to successfully plan for an XM Cloud implementation and what considerations to make as you move through it as well as some of the exciting benefits and site features of moving to this product. We are joined today by our senior Sitecore Solutions architect, Jared Arnofsky, who led the architecture and build for this recent implementation, and Alan Kirsch, the lead project manager on the engagement who successfully brought the site to launch. Alan, Jared, welcome to the water cooler. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So as we kind of dive in here, I wanted to go over to you first, Alan, and just kind of hear a little bit more about this client of ours that we've had that, you know, has been at AE for quite some time, hear a little bit more about the background on the beginning of the project, you know, because everyone thinks you dive right into the development, but there's a lot of planning that comes into this, right? You can't just flip a switch and you're on a new website. So can you talk to us a little bit about the beginning of the project and maybe just a little bit of history about where the client was and maybe what led them to going to this XM Cloud route? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we started the project with the intention of going to Sitecore 10, um, and then eventually XM Cloud got brought into the conversation. And one of the key features that's going to be really important for them is having the ability to create and deploy sites independently. They used to host with us, um, and so they would have to go through us and our servers team to create test sites, and then they would go back and edit the content, and then again go through us to get their SSLs ordered and get those sites out there and live. Now they will have the ability to do that all on their own, which improves the the speed that you can get a site out there and just the flexibility at which they have to edit their own system. Absolutely. I mean, the flexibility alone of just allowing them to be able to do things kind of in-house and Mm -hmm. not having to be as dependent on any sort of external parties is probably huge for them. Absolutely. And they create sites, they edit sites, they delete sites all the time because they I don't know if I've mentioned yet, but they have over 300 facilities under their domain and they add more probably around 10 every month. Um, So it's it's a really big feature for them to be able to handle that on their own. That's actually really great. And I feel like talking a little bit more about, you know, not just diving right into the development part. And of course, there's a lot of planning when this comes to it, especially if it's Mm -hmm. a client that's been, you know, if they were on Sitecore 7, that's, you know, a pretty old version of Sitecore. So they probably had a lot of things to sort of consider and plan and and design around. So can you tell me a little bit about just kind of the discovery and design process? Because I think I've hit home on this uh, podcast quite a bit, how important 
those phases are. So uh, any any tidbits from that piece of it that you'd like to go over? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do have the unique advantage with having known how this client runs for a long time. Um, so because they have so many sites, we had a cloning functionality that we had to recreate and some other functionalities that are really important to them. So we started with a functional inventory and we were able to go through the things that they really liked anywhere that they were having pain points. For example, they have language pages, which were about half of the pages of their sites. So those got turned into data items, um, which really saved them some storage there. They also didn't have the ability to create unique layouts on their internal pages, which is something that SXA provides for them. So um, any upgrade would get them there. But we really took into account being able to give them the ability to choose which pages their source site layout got extended to on their individual sites, which um, was big for them as they're, they're editing and want those changes to go out to maybe 200 of the 300 sites instead of uh, what they had before, which was automatically going out to all of them. Very cool. And anything that came out of the design piece of it? I mean, again, I think when you're designing for 300 plus sites, you obviously want to take in the consideration of, yes, we want these to have somewhat of a different look and feel, but at the same time, there needs to be brand consistency throughout. So any interesting pieces that kind of came out of just the design piece of this that we want to talk through? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So as we were going through designs and building out the backlog based on designs, we had a lot of iterations of design changes that came out of just realizing that, oh, we have our this uh, accreditation statement in our footer and, and little things like that that came out of our backlog and made our development process a lot smoother that we caught those things earlier. Um, one of the other big things is that we designed for five different brands. Um, so how we did this was we had primary, secondary, tertiary, quaternary colors. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of having to design each component with one of those brands, we were able to flip out those color schemes. Um, so that was a big one that allowed for a uniform look and feel with still giving the brand presence that they wanted. Thanks, Ellen. So I think, again, going back to it, Every project's going to need a lot of planning, a lot of discovery, design. You know, we understand that it's tedious, but it makes the development that much smoother, um, especially going back to even what you just referenced with going through that stuff in the design phase. It makes sure that you're you're catching even the smallest details before you kind of get into development. So with that, kind of moving over to the development piece, Jared, I want to take things over to you. So as the lead architect on this implementation, I'm sure you faced some different areas that really required some additional just strategic planning or strategic thinking and, and thought through on it. What are some of the key considerations you feel would help to outline for an XM Cloud build or just some of the things that you feel like, hey, if you plan this out ahead of time, it's going to make things go a lot smoother and streamline things once you get further into the development piece? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So you know, some of the things I'm going to say here, um, you know, maybe not specifically always just XM Cloud, like a lot of them are Sitecore or even just project specific. Like mm -hmm. I will say, like uh, we have Ellen on the call, like a strong PM and architect mm -hmm. relationship, the communication and uh, the project is led through those team members really like affects the rest of the project. So a strong communication base is always number one, in, in my opinion, right? Absolutely. And then once we get there, then we start talking about Let's understand the content. You know, migrating 300 sites, there's a lot of content involved. There's an old code base involved. There's plenty of 
business requirements. There's plenty of stakeholders that, um, you know, are maybe very specific about how certain parts of that legacy code work and they're expecting, you know, that same code, the same requirements, those same things to work. But, you know, when, when we take over these legacy code bases, sometimes, you know, we see things and we identify things, maybe things have changed in the past. Maybe we can't, perhaps we can't implement things in the same way, or we find ways to, you know, make it better. So we have to take all that into consideration, you know, when we're building out these sites. Specifically for, for this site, we had to make 300 sites. But, you know, as Alan brought up, we're not just making 300 sites, we're making them the ability to bake future sites. They might be adding 10 sites a month, right? They could be removing sites. Mm -hmm. So we need to really figure out a way of how we could empower content authors and, and managers in Sitecore to own this process. Like we don't want them making tickets and being held up in the process. Like in this new SaaS world, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everything should be fast and, and clients are expecting things to be <laughs> fast. Our websites are fast and we should be able to spin them up fast. Absolutely. So um, we had all these these rules where we we need to really understand like when I make a new site, what does that mean? We use cloning in this in this project. So we had to start with like a base and then you know we clicked some buttons, we leveraged a bunch of Sitecore PowerShell extensions, and you know, eight minutes you might have a brand new site and it's live. We leveraged Vercel so um, we could um, spin up sites with automatic SSL and you know, DNS right out, right off the bat. So, you know, um, in this scenario, like they might be making a site and they want to publish it out and share it, but the site's not live. So we have test URLs from Vercel and, you know, we need to give them the ability to swap those out to real URLs in the future. So from a technical perspective, um, in this project, the only thing the client would need to do is reach out to someone that manages their DNS and everything else from building a site to going live in that site being in Vercel and accessible is just a DNS swap. You know, and then UAT is like really big thing to, to focus on. Um, sometimes what happens is when we get data out um, and we start showing um, the client what we're doing and what we're working on, we get, you know, really focused, rightfully so, we get really focused on the content. So it's good to get, you know, our content and our migration out to production in our stage production environment, you know, with the final content so then we can really focus on our UAT happening there. So we're not fixing content issues in lower environments. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can start getting our content authors to handle some of the, the content updates. Now, that's great insights, Jared. So one question I have for you is, you know, in terms of just kind of the team structure, you know, you mentioned the communication and the collaboration with, you know, having a strong connection with the management team, which I can fully agree from being a project manager in the past myself and dealing with, you know, larger implementations, the stronger connection between the project management team and the architect and the people that are actually building out the site. It's going to just create a more successful project. Um, so that's just, you know, within our own internal teams. But was there anything in terms of just reliance on external teams that you can comment on that might have helped throughout this project? Yeah, so um, specifically on this project, there were some technical teams um, on the client side, and we needed them to produce, you know, an API for a certain component. When we're working with a, a technical team on the on the client side, it's really important to, you know, see them as someone in, you know, in our team. So we mm -hmm. just like embrace them. And, you know, we're just trying to collaborate with them and make sure that they get what they need. And, 
you know, we get that same mutual respect and they're trying to give us what, what we need. So a couple instances in this project, we had to make a data import. And like I said previously, we had to, you know, get, get an API created so we could be leveraged in a certain component. So in all of those calls, um, you know, we worked very closely with the client and their technical teams and, um, you know, really felt like one team uh, so we could, you know, get something done and accomplish it. And then one of the big things, um, you know, that Psycho is doing now with XM Cloud is, you know, they staff uh, partner technical advisors to your project. And, you know, in a couple of projects, I've worked with uh, Richard Seal. So shout out to Richard Seal. Thank you uh, for all your help and guidance. Um, but they're really just like a, a soundboard and someone you can collaborate with. Um, they can get you answers. They can pull other people in. So um, say on this project, we did a Sitecore search implementation and I had some specific questions or maybe I wanted to bounce some ideas on an approach with how we did something in Sitecore search. Um, they could pull in those people. And, you know, in certain conversations, I found myself talking to, you know, some of the architects of the plat on the platform at Sitecore or some of the product owners. And, you know, it was, it was really great seeing like, you know, meeting these people who, who you see on LinkedIn and stuff everywhere, but like, you know, they're making this project and the product and you get to put in your feedback and you get to, you know, start a conversation with them. So it's really great. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think, again, it, it goes to it's maybe varying teams, but it's all one team at the end of the day, right? Everybody has the same common goal. You know, their success is our success. And same thing with the client as well. You know, this site launching, while it's their website, it's it's something that we're all proud of and stuff as well, too. So it's, you know, really just honing in on making sure that everybody is kind of marching towards that same finish line. So that's great. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I will also say that Sitecore was really good about listening to our use cases. And when they thought that they might be reused for future clients, they would put in a ticket and they would work on those changes or they would at least consider those with their product team, which was really helpful. That's great. That's great. And in, in some cases, we'd be like, hey, like um, we, we found uh, like a bug or something and they'd be really fast to, to address it or, you know, as it was, it was with this like XM Cloud, um, you know, platform they're able to get bug fixes out quicker and faster. There was like a, a small issue with Experience Edge that we saw and uh, they were able to do a release and we didn't have to change anything with our code. So it was really cool. That's awesome. So kind of talking through again, we're, you know, we've hit on the fact that there were 300 plus sites and they're constantly acquiring and, and creating new ones and getting rid of old ones and things like that. But that's quite a migration effort, right? I've gone through enough content migrations to know that that's always the part that makes or breaks timelines um, in any project. So can you talk to me a little bit about how the content migration on this project went or just the migration of those 300 plus sites? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. In many cases, the content migration can be more complex or more complicated than building out the site itself. It was definitely one of the more complex things of this project. Um, we definitely had to have a, a strategy and like a an attack of how we were going to accomplish this. But um, Sitecore does make some tools that we're able to leverage to you know, make the process a little bit more streamlined. So even though this was uh, you know, an XM Cloud project on our local, um, so like for the non-technical people, like our developer environments that we are working off of, we were able to actually hook it up to an old database, so like the 7.2 database. and then from pulling it into there, we were able to leverage a bunch of PowerShell scripts and, and things that we've written in-house and reusable tools that we use for content migration. And then 
once we had all the data migrated and everything was good on our on our local our development machines, we were able to use the Sitecore CLI to push that to the dev environment or the production environment. So, um, you know, leveraging the tools and that Sitecore has provided for us, and then just really planning and how we would execute that. Um, and again, like how I said something along the lines of like not focusing on content when you're in lower environments, getting your code really solid and and you know tested, but then getting it out to production, and then focusing you know on on the content and what that looks like. All right. So Jared, Ellen, to both of you guys, the website looks fantastic. I mean, it's very fast, which I think is a key benefit to moving to this kind of headless infrastructure like XM Cloud. So are there any other exciting features on the site that you guys might want to highlight, whether it's that theming piece that you were talking about before, or, you know, any of the different areas on the site that um, you'd like to highlight? From my side, we've touched on it before, but the coolest part of, of this whole project is the fact that content authors can make websites on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so we've built out a really good system where you have a base website and all of your content is uh, filled out. We use tokens to replace data on the individual site level and we use branding. So we have many different default brands that you can switch from. Um, so you can change the theme of your project on the fly. You can change the content on the fly on the individual components because of all of the tokens and stuff we're using. And you can also leverage Sitecore Search out of the box on each site. So you spin up a new site, Sitecore Search is going to work. So another cool, you know, feature mm -hmm. Sitecore Search. We got we got that working in the project, and um, a Doctor import working in the project as well. One of the cool features that we built to allow an easier content authoring experience is they have this global content, um, what we call it the source site, where all of their global content lives. And But each site can have unique content. Um, so if they want to make a global update to one specific page or one specific data item, we built them the ability to um, see which of those data items that were originally cloned are now unique. So instead of having to look through all 300 sites to find any unique data or wondering if you're overwriting something, um, one of the things that we built is allowing to see which of those are unique and then being able to select after you make your changes which of those sites those changes get made on. Hmm, very cool. So we talked a little bit, you hit on a great topic, which is Sitecore Search. So Sitecore Search is another big one that was implemented within this project. And can you talk to me a little bit about the indexing that happened um, as you guys were implementing this into those 300 plus sites? Yeah, that's a great question. So we actually have a sitemap index that we created. So in Sitecore Search, the product, you can uh, point it at a source. So we built some functionality um, where if you go to one of the websites, we made a custom route so you can go there and it'll generate a dynamic sitemap index, meaning it's one sitemap index with a, a listing of every single sitemap of all of the sites. In Sitecore Search, we pointed Sitecore Search at that index. We set up a trigger. We then crawl the sitemaps within that one sitemap index, and then we have all of those living in one source, but they are faceted by the website that they're on. So all of the data for, you know, all of the many pages that live on each site, all live in one source. And then we're able to search against all of them on an individual site level based on their source. So when we spin up a new site, um, we have a field that gets filled out with the URL for that site. 
And that's how we know what source results to facet to for each site. Hmm. Very cool. So we do actually have a lot of healthcare clients in our kind of client repository here at AmericanEagle.com. And a lot of them do have provider imports um, and they have different credentialing and things like that for their different providers across their system. Is there anything that came through for this project that you'd want to talk about just in terms of the provider import and how they're kind of feeding that information into the websites? So we made, you know, the standard kind of provider import we would do on you know most of our healthcare you know clients um but something something cool specifically on this site is when we import that data and how that data looks and it gets imported into the system it's set up in such a way where um we can tag each site with that data so then each site has like a, a listing page of providers or doctors or physicians whatever they're called and um they will dynamically display based on the tagging and how the doctor or physician or provider import went. So um, essentially we get, you know, dynamic listings of all of these, I'll just call them doctors Mm -hmm. um, for each site without even, you know, doing much setup. Nice. Yeah. So definitely leveraging taxonomy there, which is always helpful. So Ellen, was there anything in terms of like talking through the planning for the provider import and things like that, that maybe is something that you feel like could come up with other healthcare clients? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things that's going to future proof them and really keep their data clean is we agreed with the client that we wouldn't allow manual entries or manual deletions. So every time that a import runs, any doctor, mnemonic, anything that was associated to that data um, that was new would get added and anything that wasn't in the import itself would get deleted. So it's a clean slate every time you run the import, which is really going to help them keep that that section clean, their data clean and things like that. Great. So we all know that once a website launches, the work's not over, right? I mean, you know, the website launch, it's celebrate for maybe an hour and then get to it because the, the site's now live, which is probably, you know, the, the more exciting part of it, of course. So looking into the next few months and beyond, do we have anything that's on the roadmap, anything planned for these guys in terms of just any new features, XM Cloud pieces, anything of that nature? I can take part of this one. Um, I think one of the big things that is important after a site goes live um, is that you don't always have all of the use cases. And so as things come up with content or um, certain facility requirements, those get built in. Um, So some of the things that we're looking to do are improve some of the utility scripts that we've talked about before for anything that might be useful for them for their clone sites or their content entry going forward. Also logging on some things like the physician import um, to make sure that they know and can document what changes are happening in their site. Yeah, I'll add to that, like, you know, once when you're making a site, um, you try to plan it out as best as you can. And when the site's actually live, when 300 sites of them are actually live at the same time, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, growth and stuff happening. And you just have to see it through and you might see some scenarios you didn't think of. And, you know, you have to monitor it and and help out and and help improve it and you stabilize it and and you know that'll be good it's like seeing your child off to school or something like that (laughs) very cool very cool 
Well, I just want to say thank you guys both um, for this one. Very proud of uh, seeing you guys take on this site and this implementation. It's one of our largest uh, XM Cloud implementations to date, and it was a successful launch. The website looks fantastic. So definitely something to be very proud of. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you. Ellen, Jared, thank you all for joining us at the Water Cooler today. We appreciate all of the helpful insights and conversation, and we hope to have you guys both back on the Water Cooler again soon. Thanks again to Ellen Kirsch and Jared Arnofsky for joining us today on the Sitecore Water Cooler Podcast, a casual conversation between colleagues and peers centered around all things Sitecore. I'm your guest host, Maggie Burke, and until next time we meet at the Water Cooler, be sure to subscribe to the Sitecore Water Cooler Podcast today, wherever you find your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios with special thanks to executive producers Renee Nelson, Julia Klepich, and Brian Winger. 